Welcome back to the Startup Operator Weekly Roundup. The Weekly Roundup is the show for people who want to stay updated with major developments of the Indian startup ecosystem. If you're new to the podcast, please do subscribe and share it with folks you think will enjoy the show. Today, Roshan and I will talk about ShareChat's nearly $300 million fundraise from Google, Slice raising $50 million, and then in the EV space, we have GOBP, MG Motor, and Castrol Inc. sign a partnership to bolster EV adoption in India. Mensa Brands, within its first 12 months, has netted a 1,500 crore rupees revenue, and Navi has raised 300 crore rupees from bonds that were subscribed 1.4 times. Now, compared to how we started off May, June has been really eventful, haven't it, Roshan? Yeah, it's been pretty eventful, I would say, last week. Although, I mean, I hear a lot of news around, uh, you know, startups laying off a lot of people. Uh, we discussed it last week as well. You know, according to reports, anywhere between around 4,000 to 9,000 people have been laid off. I mean, this is uh, on a base of maybe around 6 lakh employees that startups hire. I feel that the media is also being a little harsh about it. I mean, IT services folks fire uh, anywhere between 50k to a lakh people every year for underperformance and whatnot right and they seem to manage the media pretty well i mean of course it's on a larger base but still you know and we've seen you know how the startup ecosystem has come together to sort of offer solutions for the, the people that were uh, unfortunately let go as well right i mean a lot of people uh, pretty much on any post i mean if you say uh, hey i mean i was laid off i mean there are a lot of people reaching out saying you know please apply to our company and so on right so yeah i mean it's something that is unfortunate also begs the question whoever thought that if you are going to get paid i don't know 40 50 or 100 percent premium over what you were getting right now uh, whoever thought that would be sustainable not to blame the people who kind of opted for these kind of jobs it's a frothy market everyone tries to make the best of the situation but still i mean it just goes to show that uh, you know thing, these things are not sustainable right i mean you have to have to sort of live with the consequences of this in any case i mean if you've been let go please feel free to apply uh, to waimo right by hiring for variety of roles sales product marketing support uh, you name it reach out to gunjan or i on uh, you know on social media and we're happy to put you through to uh, opportunities at vimo but yeah i mean pretty uh, sad on that front but uh, did you watch uh, top gun maverick by the way there are hardly any tickets available in Bangalore. Dude, it's such a killer, killer movie. I mean, that the previous movie was made almost 35 years back. I, I remember think in 1986 it, uh, or something. Yeah, I mean, uh, the year I was born. So I remember watching Top Gun on HBO. I think it used to come multiple times, right? Pretty regularly. What a fantastic, fantastic movie. And uh, yeah, watching it in the theater brought back a rush of memories. And Tom Cruise is so bloody amazing, man. I mean, he hasn't aged... I, I don't know. He hasn't aged at all in 35 years, I should say. Such a satisfying movie. I mean, amazing action, amazing plot, everything. Uh, so definitely go watch that movie for sure, you know. And yeah, I got my precautionary dose of the vaccine today. And I was just saying this to my wife that, you know, what an amazing time. If you told me about a couple of years back that we would have a vaccine, I wouldn't have believed it, you know, because vaccine development takes years, right? I mean, I think the previous uh, record was around six years or something. Uh, right. But what an amazing time to live in, you know, where people have come together and we developed the vaccine in about six, seven months time uh, or probably even lesser. Right. So, yeah, I mean, I guess it's a matter of perspective, you know, I mean, seeing the brighter side of things. Yep. Also, last week, I think after close to 14 years after when Sheryl Sandberg joined Facebook, she has now moved on from a role as chief operating officer at Meta. But, you know, one thing, like, of course, many people have come and spoken about, like, you know, what would it like to work with Cheryl. But something which I was thinking about when I was reading about the news was that during her tenure, Facebook went 
so multiple upheavals there was the entire cambridge analytica scam there was the entire the eduardo savran fallout happening and then even most recently all of these you know controversies against the elections right how they were manipulating the results or you know how they are not curbing hate speech in return for profits she had been able to ride through all of those upheavals and it really sets a strong precedence for how much women in tech has actually you know come forward over the last few years i think it is really remarkable yeah she's uh, somewhat of a legend right you know being chief operating officer of facebook seeing through the ipo and then plenty of other things that you mentioned right the cambridge analytica scandal and then ever since what has happened yeah she is definitely a legend i didn't quite like the way that some of the articles alluded that you know she was using company resources for her own personal work and everything i mean i, I I think that's all a little bit of smoke and mirrors. So yeah, I mean that's pretty unfortunate I would say, right? But yeah, amazing, amazing legendary career I would say, right? And uh, I often say this to people, you know, I mean Facebook is what? I mean I think around 16, 17 years old, maybe founded in 2004, right? And Zuck was just a college kid when uh, Facebook first came up, right? And he has since matured into this tech exec 16 or 17 years later one of the most important ones uh, alive today right and the entire facebook team has kind of handled the responsibility that they had as best as anyone could possibly have really you know for all the buddhijivis who say that you know facebook could have done x y or z things and could have you know been this or that really i mean you you think about having about 2 billion 2 billion users uh, on the platform having the ability to influence all of these people and do a better job right i mean some of us are still trying to influence our houses and apartment societies and not getting too far so it requires a little bit of perspective again you know yeah i mean uh, all the best to uh, ms sandberg for whatever she has coming up right okay talking about social media right i think we are seeing a very large check size after quite some time this is mohalla tech which is the parent company of sharechat they raised 300 million dollars from google times group and singapore's temasek holding now earlier this year times group's video platform mx takatak joined with mohalla tech's moj platform which created india's largest short video platforms and applications like these got immensely popular in india in 2020 when uh, prime minister modi in one of his addresses announced that chinese apps are being banned which included tiktok and interestingly right even twitter has a stake in mohalla tech so now if you uh, if the bid for elon musk by twitter goes through then uh, he will potentially have a stake of 6 to 8% in sharechat you know not only is this a large size check which you're seeing which kind of maybe hinting towards uh, upliftment in the market but this also demonstrates that you know how much short video industry and and that to in regional content is gaining popularity in india yeah for sure i mean um, sharechat i think between their parent app and moj has more than 300 million users and that's pretty significant right if you look at 600 million internet users at this point of time growing to about 900 million by 2025 there's still a lot of growth that's left you often compare uh, the china market with india market in terms of you know how much of headroom some of these apps can uh, really have right so so yeah i mean there's still a long way to go for sharechat i would say right and which is what the growth stage of financing is about the fact that they've been able to raise you know such a large uh, check size in the middle of what seems to be a slowdown right is really something uh, i would say right and some of the monetization experiments and so on of you know some of these apps have have been working well as well uh, right i mean we've spoken about pratilipi about kuku fm stage and and so on right you know india is often called the the dao market right and not the arco market but we may be at the 
very beginning of that monetization revolution, right? Where people might dole out cash for things like this. I mean, I think also us urban kids have this bias. I mean, we feel that, you know, people in the hinterlands, uh, people in rural, rural India don't really pay, right? I mean, you only have to go and look at some of the weddings, uh, I would say, right, uh, that happen in the in these areas to get a fair idea of, you know, how much they can pay for things that they believe in. So I feel like, you know, that monetization experiment has to work, you know, for them to sort of justify their valuation and going forward in terms of growth and everything. But yeah, I mean, definitely in terms of entertainment content for vernacular, there's still miles to go, I would say. Right. Also, last week, Slice has raised a $50 million Series C round, which was led by Tiger Global. And with this new financing, it looks to scale its recently launched UPI payments products and also to make its core credit business profitable. You know, Slice really shot up into so-called fame and now it's issuing close to 3 lakhs to 4 lakhs cards a month. And this makes it one of the fastest growing credit card companies in the entire South Asian market. But again, as I said, this entire phenomenon of buy now, pay later, BNPL, right? The space which Slice, then Postpay, all of these companies operate in. Do you think it was more of a COVID phenomenon that companies like these or BNPL became popularized? Or is this like where the financial markets were heading to? And the reason I'm asking this is because I'm a Slice user, right? And when I was trying to pay off my card, payment for this month. I saw that they have removed the entire the credit interest free period of three months, right? They've removed it, right? And now the interest which is being charged is like upwards of, I think, 36%. So wow. what do you think is happening behind the scenes over here? 36% is huge. <laughs> so that's shocking, actually. I think, you know, I mean, buy now, pay later is definitely something that's popular in the more developing, uh, the more developed economies, right? I mean, if you look at the West, for example, they have a BNPL for almost everything as a segment that is popular, right? And it's something that I, I don't think of it as a COVID phenomena. Uh, I think that there is a segment that is definitely lucrative for BNPL, I would say. Although, I mean, Slice has moved way past that, right? I mean, they might have started in the BNPL segment, but then they moved to cards. You know, Bezos used to have this uh, quote saying, your margin is my opportunity, right? And I would say, you know, with respect to any kind of fintech disruption, you know, the fintechs are telling the banks that your shitty service is my opportunity. Now, if you look at traditionally who banks sell cards to, right? I mean, it's people like me who already have two or three cards in the first place. Now, quoting someone like me, I mean, it'll require a lot from the bank, right? I mean, it'll require a lot. You probably have to give me like six or eight uh, airport lounges a quarter in the beginning, just to begin with, right? And I'm not even like an experienced credit card user. I mean, I just use it for some purchases. I know that, you know, there are some pro level folks who have saved, uh, you know, um, travel costs and who get like amazing accommodation and Taj properties and so on and so forth. Right. Now that is the level up to which some of these folks have to stretch in order to service the, uh, you know, clients like me. Right. But on the other hand, I mean, if you have people, I don't know, I mean, in their early 20s or even perhaps younger, they don't have that many options to begin with, right? Not a lot of banks are really like bending over backwards to service these folks. And also, I mean, these folks are used to a completely different customer experience. They're not the generation that student queues or spoke to tellers and filled out forms and so on, right? I mean, they are the one-click generation. You order something on Amazon, you book a cab on Uber or, and so on, right? So servicing these folks, I mean, is definitely an opportunity and that is where, you know, Slice is coming in right now. I thought they had about 13 million customers, uh, could be more now. And uh, they also have some interesting merchant tie-ups as well, merchant partnership. And this is definitely a segment that has a lot going for it, you know? But I do feel that, you know, all of these lending businesses, because these are 
are essentially lending financing businesses a lot of it depends on collections you know and collections is lagging always right and uh, i would love to see some of the numbers because uh, again you know credit profiling risk all of these are very very complicated right and it's not a slice em dice em no pun intended kind of business so let's see how how this goes All right. In the EV sector, I mean, this was uh, good to see that you know MG Motors, Castrol India, and uh, Geo BP have signed a partnership to explore mobility solutions for electric cars in the country. Now, under this new partnership, they'll be setting up EV charging infrastructure for both four wheelers and two wheelers, and also expand Castrol's existing auto service network. Now, they aim to set up EV charging and service infrastructure in the entire country, and the main goal for this is going to be intercity travel. Yeah. No, this is fantastic. I mean, incumbents taking investing in the EV ecosystem at this point is super important, right? Because one thing that we've often said is there are a lot of unknowns still, right? Which is the cost of ownership, what it requires in terms of maintenance and service, the charging infrastructure, and so on, right? And uh, any kind of investments in this regard is going to be really helpful. And if you look at these, right, Castrol, for example, I think it has twenty twenty five percent of the market share in India for lubricants. Uh, they also have these uh, auto service centers and so on, right? Now these are I mean, it's as incumbent as incumbents can be, right? I mean, if these folks are actually taking a lead in something like EV, that's a very promising sign, I would say. I mean, it's very forward-thinking, I would say. And also, I mean, early in the curve, right? A lot of innovation is cheaper to buy, especially for investors, because again, a lot of things are still developing in the ecosystem. So you can buy a lot of value for cheap, I would say, right? So and, and that's also something that some of these folks are looking at, right? To get a head start in this in this space. So yeah, definitely interesting development, I would say. Yep. All right. Now moving on to our next piece of news. This is about Mensa Brands, right? And Mensa Brands is a startup which owns and operates an umbrella of D two C companies. They have netted a revenue of close to thousand five hundred crore rupees within just twelve months of its operations that ended in May this year. Now they work very closely with founding teams of other brands to accelerate their growth on marketplaces, which includes managing product, pricing, marketing. distribution and brand building they acquired a controlling stake in the small d2c brands providing a direct control to operations expansions and strategy in this past 12 months mensa has acquired almost 20 brands in the fashion beauty and lifestyle space and majority of these companies have grown more than 80% and um, this is kind of based from the model which is already there and in fact a very successful model that's already present in us which is thrasio and uh, today thrasio is now valued at uh, over 10 billion dollars now that's definitely not a small number so do you think in india we'll see more holding companies like mensa that's yeah definitely i mean you already have you know 10 club global bees you know upscaleo bunch of others right and i i think even the more successful uh, d2c brands like you know boat for example will become some kind of a holding company at the end and what they're offering to these founders is uh, funding financing and strategic partnership as well right now this playing the whole marketplace game whether it's on flipkart or amazon requires a lot of data requires a lot of skill and you know scaling a d2c business which is you know moving physical stuff is really challenging it's not it's not a software business right that you can scale very easily so knowledge of supply chain knowledge of brand building and things like that is super critical 
right and uh, mensa does have that uh, you know the, the dna right basically so you've seen how e-commerce has grown post covid as well amazon has a sambhav fund where uh, you know they have 250 million set aside for smes a lot of the larger folks also will get involved right uh, the huls and the maricos of the world will get involved in this anyway so yeah i mean this is definitely a viable business and you know the performance of mensa kind of shows that right so, so yeah yep next up we have sachin bansal led navi finserve non convertible debentures base issue of rupees 300 crores has been subscribed 1.4 times to date now debt funding is the process by which an investor or a vc firm lends money to an entrepreneur for a certain period of time at a given rate of interest which is of course agreed by both the parties and in return for that company bond is issued to the investor which acts as a certificate of the loan and uh, in the budget of 2022 our finance minister mrs uh, nirmala sitaraman has also announced that the government is extending the timeline up to 10 years for startups to convert debt investments made in a company into equity shares equity represents an inherent risk which means that returns are not available till there is a significant appreciation of the net worth of the company now what this means is that till such a time that the company does not become profitable the investors cannot sell the shares now we have seen that the pace of funding and the rate at which it has been declined so do you think debt rounds or any other financing rounds would make sense for a startup at this point in time yeah for sure i mean you know there are plenty of other routes uh, that startups can take i mean if they have healthy cash flows actually debt is a very good idea you know rather than giving up equity and navi i think is doing what 300 crore something revenue right they seem to be doing all right they also recently their bank license got rejected by rbi Uh, right uh, which is uh, probably also why i mean they're kind of looking at the debt route right i mean because their valuation might have been slightly affected by by these kind of things one thing is go and look back at uh, perhaps a money control article on uh, sachin right i mean he did uh, an interview with chandra and uh, he talks about how he's a more mature entrepreneur the second time right compared to his previous stint with flipkart earlier so yeah uh, definitely i mean people are betting on sachin betting on the fact that you know he is he knows what it takes to build and scale a business uh, in india plus the fact that you know i mean financial services in india is such a huge white space right and sachin has you know often uh, kind of made, uh, said it that you know he wants to build a second hdfc right in the space so so that's why you see the debt round being oversubscribed Okay, and there are other couple of uh, startups that raised funding last week. QMath, which is the math tutoring startup, has raised fifty-seven million dollars in a round led by AlphaWave Global at a valuation of four hundred and seven million dollars. QMath operates in more than seventy countries and plans to increase this to over hundred countries uh, by the end of FY twenty twenty-three. Orange Health, which is a startup offering at-home diagnostic services, has raised twenty-five million dollars. in a series b funding round which was led by general catalyst and bertelsmann india investments now they want to build india's fastest diagnostic lab in space propulsion startup bellatrix aerospace has concluded an 8 million dollar funding round which was led by bsf venture capital now bellatrix has backed contracts from isro and other undisclosed customers right and the space qualification testing is expected to be completed in the coming months nutrifresh which is an agritech uh, based in pune is focusing on hydroponically grown produce has raised 5 million dollars in a pre-series A funding round from a group of uh, angel investors now this funding will be used to scale up farm operations implement complete traceability and transparency of produce and of course for marketing lastly a uh, mo engage which is a customer engagement platform has uh, raised 77 million dollars in its series E round 
which was led by Goldman Sachs Asset Management and B Capital. This is Goldman Sachs Asset Management's first investment in an Indian SaaS company. Now, uh, Roshan, we have been, you know, following Moengage for a while, right? And so did you get, did you get to uh, congratulate Ashwin yet? Yeah, yeah, I mean, I'm going to be meeting him this week, hopefully. Yeah, what a story, man. Moengage, uh, they're a customer engagement platform. Uh, you know, they have 1,200 customers in about 35 countries and they've grown 100% year on year, consecutive years, right? So phenomenal, phenomenal story. You know, we talk about Indian SaaS and Moengage is, uh, you know, one of those uh, one of those shining lights, right? Fantastic stuff, really fantastic stuff for the entire team. And I think this race to $100 million, right? I mean, could be a reality in... Uh, you know, uh, maybe two, three years time, right? You'll have a bunch of uh, folks at the 100 million mark and things will get a lot more exciting at that point. And Moengage also competes with two other startups, right? I mean, uh, Indian startups in the same space, CleverTap and WebEngage, right? And they seem to be doing really well as well. So yeah, we'll hopefully have Ravi, who's the founder of Moengage, uh, sometime on the podcast to you know, talk about their story and stuff. QMath is, again, a very interesting business. Uh, you know, they specialize in math tutoring for uh, children. So I was reading a Indian Express report last week where they studied about uh, 38 students in class four going to class five who missed two years of school due to the pandemic. And, you know, they just were doing a before after uh, in terms of their math skills. And uh, it, the result was pretty shocking, you know, stuff like, you know, division and uh, uh, subtraction and basic stuff, right? Basic arithmetic seems to be like challenging for these kids. I really hope that, you know, I mean, schools are back in full fray, right? I mean, they seem to be actually a lot of schools have opened up, uh, especially over the last couple of weeks. Uh, right. And uh, yeah, we don't have any more disruptions because I really feel, you know, in-person teaching and coaching is uh, is is way more effective. Right. Yeah. And so so the so QMath is uh, certainly doing well in that regard. So this whole diagnostics, you know, at home care is another sector that's very, very interesting. We've seen a bunch of uh, folks, right, MediBuddy and so on, where you can just book these services uh, online and they'll come and deliver stuff at your house. So yeah, I mean, uh, that is another very, very green space where a lot of solutions are going to be built. So yeah, overall, I mean, I would say, yeah, pretty secular in terms of the domains and stuff, right? So we did say that, you know, funding is slowing down, but I mean, you've seen some pretty large exercises, right? Uh, 300 million, 77 million. Venture was always going to be about outsized returns from very, very, very few businesses, right? Not 100% of the businesses are VC investable. In fact, I feel the investable businesses are very, very, very small in number, right? So yeah, these times also, I mean, you will kind of see the wheat being separated for the, from the shaft. You will see the real businesses kind of emerge at this point of time, uh, right? And it becomes easier to kind of identify as well. So yeah, interesting. So, you know, last week on Twitter, this uh, Elon Musk email was doing the rounds, right? The email which he sent to all its uh, employees and leadership as well. Hey, it's time to stop working from home and it's time to start working out of office. A very strongly written letter, I'd say, but what was your opinion on it? You know, I kind of uh, was reminded of this debate about, you know, work from home. We had this whole mock debate of work from home versus uh, work from office at Vimeo, right? And one of the kids made a point that, look, I mean, if you were sending rockets to Mars, be working out of a home, right? And, and that kind of hits hard. And that's the kind of vision that, uh, you know, Elon Musk has, right? I mean, SpaceX and Tesla and all of these companies that he's heading, uh, they're doing some phenomenal cutting edge work and that kind of work doesn't happen from a distance, right? I mean, you have to be very, very, very hands-on. And also, I think this work from home has its limits, right? Definitely increases individual productivity to a certain degree, 
right but if you're doing core science work i mean if you're doing highly collaborative stuff and certainly at any rate if you're launching rockets into the atmosphere i mean you you can't do that from a distance i mean you have to be hands on and you can't do these things kind of passively or dispassionately right i mean there's a certain sense of you know being on the office floor and he gives his own example right i mean he worked from the office floor as well so you're going to see a lot more of this from other CEOs and capitalists and founders and investors, right? Because I, I was listening to this podcast of Keith Robois by Harry Stebbings, right? A fantastic, fantastic podcast. We'll perhaps link to it in the description. It's a 20-minute VC is, is, again, a fantastic podcast that you guys have to check out. Where Keith is, you know, famously, the he's the original contrarian, right? I mean, he's such a phenomenal guy, probably among the top five operator investor of the century, right? Great guy. And he was talking about the fact that you know, now that the dry powder will kind of lessen, you will see less wokeism from, you know, Silicon Valley and from the West in general, right, from some of these companies. Because I do feel that a lot of this, you know, very, very ultra-liberal and ultra-woke policies were sort of funded because of the froth that was there as well, right? Now, once the bottom line is in focus again, I think some of these uh, things will be a little more tighter. So, so yeah, you're going to definitely see a larger correction on that regard, I would say. In, in your upcoming conversation this week with Chetan, your week fit, maybe you can ask him this question, right? Their company has all of these wacky, you know, ideas. Like one was this whole sleep internship where you're paid to go to, uh, to sleep. And the one they announced, I think earlier this year about the half an hour nap policy at office. So, yeah, but I mean, yeah, definitely do ask him this. Yeah, no, I think it's genius marketing. If you ask me, I mean, uh, it ties in with their brand perfectly, right? Uh, it's a mattress brand. You, you know, you better know a thing or two about sleep. And how will you know if you don't sleep well yourself, right? So, so I think it was it was a good stick. I mean, I won't call it a stick. I mean, I think they're pretty serious about it. Uh, but lot to talk about in terms of um, the business itself. You know, we've profiled more than a few D2C companies, right? Sleepy Owl, Mom's Company, Heads Up for Tales, True Elements, which uh, in fact, I mean, they got acquired recently as well. So yeah, it'll be interesting to talk to Chaitanya about this space in which he's operating and uh, how they're kind of growing the business, how they're building brand distribution, all of those things. So it should make for a fascinating conversation. Yep, absolutely. And folks, uh, if you have any questions that you would want us to ask Chaitanya, do send them to us through our social channels. On Twitter, we are at Operator Startup and on LinkedIn, the, it's called the Startup Operator. In the description, you'll also find our WhatsApp link through which you can subscribe for regular updates that will be delivered straight into your WhatsApp inbox. At the end, if you, if you enjoyed this show, do refer this to your operator friends and to others who you think will enjoy it. So this was all from the week that was. Roshan and I will see you again next week. Thanks guys. See you next week.